0: May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Nehemiah chapter 2,
1: <clears throat> verse number 12. <clears throat> and I arose in the night, and some few men with me, neither told I any man. What my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went up to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the brook, and viewed the wall, and turned back, and entered by the gate of the valley, and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. And then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in; how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the walls of the wall of Jerusalem, that we be not mo- no more a reproach. <clears throat> then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hand for this good work. Let us pray. Lord, how I thank you for what I have felt this morning. Lord, your presence being uh, felt. Lord, I thank you for the encouraging songs. Uh, Lord, all that we have heard already today. And Lord, I humble myself. Lord, before you recognizing, Lord, I am not adequate to preach. Lord, I'm not adequate to deliver this message. Lord, I humbly ask that you'd remove me out of the way. And Lord, I pray you'd open all of our hearts. Lord, let us not be distracted. Let our minds not wander. Father, let us hear from you this morning, I pray. In Jesus' holy name, and amen. You can be seated. I haven't said this for a few weeks, but uh, I would love to have uh, connect cards on this message. We have the connect cards in your pew on purpose, and I, I greatly—we've had a lot of people using them, and I do appreciate that. But if you have a comment, you have a question, you have a concern, have a disagreement, uh, want to share something anonymously or with your name, I would love to have them. And on this message in particular, that might be appropriate. So uh, I'd encourage you to use the connect cards. <clears throat> so those of you that were in Sunday school this morning. Um, and those of you that weren't in Sunday school, for that matter, I thought it was a perfect setup for the, for the message this morning. But is there anything too big for God to do? And, and we discussed in Sunday school that often we say we can't because of us, but I thought it wasn't about us. I thought it was about Him. So we have a lot of excuses that aren't really excuses unless we say God is not enough. Anybody here want to say God is not enough? Right. We don't want to say that. Right. We're scared to. So if it's not about us, and it's about him. Then what is there that we can't do? And so I really want you to think about that because you're going to kind of need that as this message goes along. Now, for a few of you that are here, I want to just give a disclaimer. I know I'm really bad for this. You're going to be sitting there and you're going to say it's been 15 minutes and he hasn't even started the outline. We're never going to get out of here right? Okay, There, I have to lay some groundwork, okay? Be patient. We'll get to the outline, and, and it'll all be okay, but I, I, your mind starts running, and then you leave me for the message, okay? So let's look at Nehemiah. You Bible readers, just real quickly, let's understand where we're at in the story. If you understand your Bible... Uh, God rose up Israel. They became a great and mighty nation. They went into the Promised Land with Joshua and they conquered many nations. They set up a huge nation under David and Solomon. They were very, uh, really worldwide known. They were a great, tremendous nation. They did a lot of great things, had a lot of great riches, a lot of blessings from God. And then they decided to sin against God. Not a good idea, right? And God had patience, God had mercy, but after a time, God said, you have turned your back on me. I am going to remove you out of the land of uh, the promise. Right, I want to take you out of the land. Babylonian, uh, the Babylonians came in, removed uh, Israel. uh, The Assyrians came in, removed uh, the the Northern Kingdom, and they were both taken out of the land. They lived in captivity for for many many years, and uh, um, Jerusalem was destroyed. Now we are now in the Persian Empire, and I won't try and go through all the history of how we got to this place. But we are now, Babylon Babylonian Empire has fallen. Persia is now in charge, um, and And Nehemiah finds himself in a place of authority in the Persian Empire as the cupbearer of the king. So he's right in the king's presence all of the time. Now Nehemiah is a Jew and he gets word that the walls of Jerusalem are all, all destroyed. And he gets word that where God's glory and name is supposed to be exalted, it is, it is, it is cast down. It is no longer a place of glory. It is no longer a place that everyone recognizes how great it is. It has been cast down. And Nehemiah's heart is broken and he fasts and he prays and he says, Oh God, you know, I, 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 we have to do something about this. And, and, and really it would seem all alone in this story, really you have an entire nation and you have one man who seems to be concerned. One man begins to pray and fast and he goes to the king and he says, well, he goes in with a sad countenance and the king says, why are you so sad? And and, the king, and he tells the king the story and he said, well, what would you have me to do? Now just imagine this. You're working for a pagan king and you're going to ask him to do God's work. Is that a big ask? <laughs> That's a big ask, right? Uh, 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 I'm going to go to the White House tomorrow, and I'm going to ask them to start supporting Christianity, right? That, 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 is, that is what it amounts to, okay? A pagan king uh, is asked to support God's work, and he said, what would you have me to do? He said, well, I want to leave my place here serving you, and I want to go back to, I want to, go back to Jerusalem. The king says, okay. That's a miracle, and then he says, what else would you have me do? He said, well, I'd like for you to give me your name so you can pay for everything I'm going to do. He says, okay. He said, what else can I do? He said, I would like for you to give me letters to protect me from all those that don't want me to do this. The king says, okay. So now you got to just in that part of the story, you got to say, wow. Are you with me? You got say, Wow. I mean, God made a pagan king pay for rebuilding Jerusalem, right? And he also said, if the Jews want to go back with you, they can go back with you. So now here's, here's what I want to pick up a story. Here's what I want you to understand what we read in the text this morning. Here's what you understand. At this point in the story, when we pick up in verse 12, if you will, uh, Nehemiah has rode into town. He is, if you will have it, he is the governor now of Judah, which is a destroyed place have all of these other people that are there, and he comes in. They don't know everything he's already been through. They don't know what God's doing in his head. They don't know all that is happening. All they know is this guy showed up, and he said, he runs the place now. And he gets on his beast. He gets on his horse, and he begins to ride and assess the situation. And he sees what should be bringing God glory Torn down, and he sees the really the the shame of what God's people have done, and he rides through it all. And I, I just kind of envision he has his heart is burning, he has this desire, he has this vision. God it says in verse 12 there, God put it in his heart what he should do. But this is what he said nobody else knew what I was doing. The rulers didn't know. The poor people didn't know. The religious people didn't know. The Jews didn't know. No, so you got one man that God has said, "This is what I want you to do," and nobody else had a clue. And, and you just got to imagine he's out there riding around this beast, climbing over top of broken down walls and burned up things, and just a just a trash heap of fuel. He's driving, and everyone's thinking, "What in the world is Nehemiah doing? This is crazy." And he comes back and he says, "Guys, this is what the Lord has put in my heart. I want to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem." Now, we've been talking a little bit about logic and what makes sense and everything else. How many of you know that doesn't make sense? Kevin, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. For one thing, you have all of these other enemies out here who are thousands times bigger than you and they don't want you to build the wall. Secondarily, the Jewish people are have sinned and they're not even here and they're not even together and they're not even uh, in a place for God to bless them and, and there's not enough workers, there's not enough money, there's not there's nothing about this that makes sense, but Nehemiah said, this is what God put in my heart. And the amazing thing is, you know what the people said? Let's do it. Let's do it. Now, that's an awesome story. That is an awesome story. And it is an exciting story. And I think there is so very much we could learn from it. Uh, But here is the thing. Now, from history and from the Word of God, we can look back, and it is absolutely amazing what Nehemiah did. He rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. It's amazing. We look back and today historians say that that it was an impossible task in a very short period of time. He put against resistance, against the enemy, against everything that he was going against without organization, without anything. He didn't have a crew of trained builders. He went in with nothing and he did it. And even today we look and say, wow, that's amazing. He restored the city of God. Sand Hill Church, I want to ask you, is our God any less than Nehemiah's God? In 2022, at the Sand Hill Church, can God still do the impossible? And guys, I hope you're not just saying that because that's the right answer. I hope we believe that. And so I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. So if you understand that, I hope you will see how this all connects uh, uh, here. But but I, I don't bring this up to drudge up the past. I bring this up so as we will all understand where we are at and where we're going. Before I say it, just real quick, let me say this. If you think that I am saying, look at Gary, this is how I view Gary. Guys, listen, I I... Am the least talented of all of you. I am not a very smart guy. I am not a very talented guy. I, I was raised uh, um, very modestly, very, uh, I-, I-, I don't have a whole lot to bring to the table. So, this isn't about boy Gary, it's something. 7th chapter of uh, Matthew, uh, starting in verse 24, <clears throat> very familiar text. <clears throat> Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, And doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Let us pray. Lord, how I thank you for all that are here. Lord, our hearts are just overwhelmed. Lord, you've already answered prayers and already showed up this morning. And God, I praise you for that right now. And Lord, I pray that you would remove me out of the way and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to everyone that is here. And Lord, those that are here that do not know you, God, would you make that plain to them by your Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, Lord, those that are uh, needing of, uh, of a different view on things, God, I pray that you would reveal that to them, Lord, not through my words, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, I pray these things in Jesus' name, and amen. So wouldn't it be great if we had the kids up here this morning singing, uh, singing uh, the song? And Maybe we should just have everyone in the church stand, and we can just, we can just all do it. Uh, the wise man built his house. Can we do that together? <laughs> right? Uh, but, but this is a familiar story, but I, I want us to understand what it says. And I know we've been talking a lot lately about the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus steps onto the scene, and for three chapters, he begins to lay out what I believe is the Christian life. And he says, if you're in the kingdom of heaven, this is what your life will look like. May I remind you, this was very different than it had ever heard before. They begin to hear things about how it's not just what you do, but it's why you do it and what you're thinking when you do it. And so it became a very different message. And I would offer to you this morning uh, that in 2022, that's still a very different message. Right. But then Jesus gets down to the this is the very last. This is, if you will, this is closing words of his sermon. Right before this, he talks about uh, some people who come to church who thought they were going to heaven. And when they got before him, he said, no, I don't know you. Depart from me, the worker of iniquity. So then he comes to this, this famous words uh, here at the end of his sermon. And, and he says this, that if you will hear what I say and you will do what I say, the storms can't touch you. But he said, if you hear what I say and do not do what I say, the storms are going to destroy you. Okay? How many of you know whether you're saved, whether you're lost, whether you're obeying or whether you're not obeying, how many of you know the storm's coming? Storm's coming, guys. Right? Listen, you don't live this life without hitting the storms. The rain is going to come, the wind is going to come, the lightning is going to come, the storm is going to come. So that's not an option. We don't have the option, okay, how do I get out of the storm? Isn't that what we all want? Preacher, tell me how to get out of the storm. Listen, you're going to go through the storm, right? But will the storm destroy you? That's what we want to ask. So this is always preached, and I don't think I've ever, I've never heard anybody preach this, what I'm going to preach this morning, I don't think, but this is how this is always preached. We look at these two people in this story, and it is always preached. We have the Christians who are following God and obeying the Word of God, and things are going to turn out well for them because they're going to be able to endure the storm, And then we have the Christians who are not obeying the Word of God, and the storm is going to destroy them. And so if you're a Christian and you're not obeying the Word of God, it's time to start listening to the Word of God so the storm doesn't destroy you. Isn't that how that's always preached? I don't think that's what this means. I don't think it's what this means at all. Instead of that, is it possible that Jesus is saying, those of you who are obeying are Christians, and those of you who are not obeying are not Christians. (laughs) And if you're not a Christian, you have no hope. (laughs) The storm's coming, guys. I've seen the forecast. Storm's on its way, and you have no hope. You will be destroyed. And it says, great will be the fall thereof. And I believe that's what this text means. I believe this is not saying people who are obeying, people who are not, they're all Christians. I believe this is because that is really what this whole Sermon on the Mount is about. And when we back up again to those that went before the Lord, there were a whole bunch of them that said, we went to church, we did this, we did that. We were Christians. And he said, no, I don't know you. You're not a Christian. So I believe this is saying, if you are a Christian, you are obeying what God says. And if you are obeying what he says, you will get through the storms. And if you don't obey, (laughs) you're not a Christian. Now that is a very different thought than most are, are, are looking at Christianity. So I would like to take this. I don't believe there's any, um, I don't believe I'm doing any harm to the text whatsoever. But this is how I would like to use this text this morning. So let me ask you guys this question. We've been over this over and over. This, but let me ask this question. What is the church? Shingles and blocks and windows? No it's the people it's the people right so if the people are the church then what is the church made up of so i would like to look at this as the church in other words the church is just a whole bunch of christians that's what the church is it's not a building it's a church so i'd like to look at this if you'd allow me this morning is not so much as an individual but as a if you will as a congregation. So. Brother Ben shared with us there a couple weeks back, but there are a lot of churches closing. Amen? The the numbers are staggering. There there are just multitudes of of churches closing just all around the nation. Churches are just shutting down. And there are a lot of churches uh, that are on life support. They're hanging on by a thread. You got just a handful of people there. There's nothing happening. They've essentially already died. And they just wait and shut the doors. Are you with me? The numbers are staggering how many pastors are resigning every week and leaving the ministry to say, I'm never coming back. Now, don't, don't jump ship on me. Don't jump ship on me. J- you got to follow this message, okay? Is that a bad thing? I I don't think so. I don't think so. See, before COVID, it was real easy to be a fake church and have a lot of people and a lot of things going on. But the funny thing is, when you couldn't go to church, a lot of people said, I can live without this. I don't need church. And never came back. I mean, statistically, that's just where we're at. There are literally thousands and thousands of people who left the church who never came back. I want to ask you guys this question. Were those the real Christians? No. (laughs) We just purified. That's what we did. We, We just purified. So now you have all these churches closing. So are those churches, why are those churches closing? Are those the healthy churches that are built on the word of God who are obeying what God says? No. It is the churches that were caught up in a lot of things that were religious but were not biblical. How many of you know that no church stands without Jesus? Listen, the storm's coming. This congregation, this group of people here at Sand Hill, we're going into a storm. Amen? Amen. You You can't have one single bit of understanding and not realize things are getting bad. We're going into a storm. Here's what I want to tell you, Sand Hill Church. We'll survive the storm. We'll survive the storm. We don't have to be afraid of the storm. We learned in Sunday school, listen, we're not on the losing side here. We're on the winning side. We we're we don't have to fear what happens if no, no, no. The storm, we will survive it. Isn't it nice to be inside of a house and you got a good roof and you got a warm furnace, and you just hear the lightning cracking and the wind blowing and the rain, and you're just as cozy and comfy as you can be. How many of you believe that's what church can be? The devil's gonna blow. He's gonna, as the old, old, old uh, kids' tail would say, he's gonna huff and he's gonna puff. But he can't blow this house down, right? Listen, we're 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 built upon the rock. But how many of you know? How many of you know there are a whole lot of churches? They won't be here a year from now. They won't be here five years from now. Ten years from now, there'll be thousands and thousands of them will not be here. You know why a lot of that is? They're not founded on the rock. Are you guys getting this? So, so, that that I think is a very important concept that we understand uh, uh, that, that uh, uh, why churches go on and why they do not. <clears throat> so, Miguel asked me this question. Miguel asked the best questions. I tell you, he asked really, and I, to be honest with Miguel, I had never thought about this before. But Miguel asked me a question last week. He came into my study and we were having a talk and this is what he asked me. He said, Pastor, why is it we don't have 500-year-old churches? Why is it we don't have 1,000-year-old churches? Why don't we have 2,000-year churches? We started on the day of Pentecost. Our congregation still going. Why don't we have that? I never thought about that. Have you ever thought about that? Now, we have some... Cathedrals and buildings which have become historic museums. There ain't no Jesus there. There ain't no congregation there. They just a really fancy building. How many of you know that's not a church? But there aren't any thousand year old churches. We started in the year 1000 and we still going today strong. And Miguel said, Is there like an expiration date? Do they like just, you know, you're good for 60 years, and then pew, you're done, right? So why is it that there aren't any churches that have lasted that long? And I believe the answer is really simple because they weren't built on a rock. I think it's really simple. They, they, they weren't built on a rock. So if you have a church, if you have a congregation, and this is what almost always happens. If you're familiar at all with, church, with, with churches, this is what happens. Churches start, they may start right. As time goes on, tradition and how we've always done things and, and, and preferences and all those things, those become pre- predominant. The Word of God becomes less and less and less. You're not building on the rock, you're building on the sand. And when the wind comes and the rain comes, it blows the church down. You guys following? Amen. All right. So so I think that I think that's a pretty astounding thought. Why churches don't last is because they're not built on the word of God. Now, I wanna ask everybody here at Sand Hill, you're allowed to say amen or grunt or nod your head or you're allowed to do something this morning. It'd be a little nice to have a little help. But how many of you would like for Sand Hill Church? This this congregation to still be going strong 100 years from now. 200 years from now. 500 years from now. Would you guys like that? You say, Pastor, it never happened. Let me tell you, I I believe this is everything that's in me. This church could still be going strong if we will stand on the word of God. But if we stand on the word of the pastor, we're going down. We're not gonna go stand, guys. It's it's really that simple. And so so I want you to imagine with me, and I I, I think very logical, I think very uh, just just common sense. And this is just straight common sense. But I want, I, I, I want you to get this. So 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 I have died. I am no longer here. Josh has died. He's no longer here. Kason has died. He's no longer. Kason's kids are old men in the church, 90 year olds and Kason's grandkids are 50 year olds. Are you guys with me? How many of you think there's even the faintest possibility in any realm of your imagination that a hundred years from now they will be arguing, this this is a big, big, this is is something to split churches for and half of us go one way and half of us go the other way. How many of you think they will be fighting over whether we have pews or whether we have seats? No, that won't be on the radar. They'll say that's the dumbest thing anyone would ever fight about. But don't we fight about that today? They're putting seats in there. I ain't coming back. Right? Praise God, I'm standing for God, right? <laughs> no. What I'm saying is all the things we fight about. How many of you think in a hundred years from now they will be fighting over whether we play Southern gospel music or whether we play contemporary music? Right? It won't Can I tell you something? Contemporary music will be old fashioned. <laughs> it will be the old music, right? What I'm saying is there's so many things we fight about that, guys, it ain't worth fighting about. And if we would really focus on the Word of God, here's an interesting fact. I I love church history. I absolutely love church history. It just fascinates me reading church history. But if you read down for 2,000 years, since the New Testament closed out until today, if you read that out, and this is just a plain fact, doctrine, the gospel, The Word of God, the clear doctrine, has went strong from the day of Pentecost until today. Has not changed, has not went away, it has stayed solid. Why? It was built on the rock. Since the day of Pentecost, until now, for 2,000 years, we have fought about a whole lot of things. Here's the interesting thing. Always, 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 those issues, they just fade away and they don't matter anymore. Are you guys following me? If you go back to what we were if you go back to what we were fighting about when I was a kid, it's no longer an issue today. Just in my short lifetime, because I am a very young man, in my short lifetime, uh, there's a lot of things that really that we don't even talk about anymore. What I am saying is, the word of God will stand, and it will not go away. Everything else tends to just fade away, fade away. And people think, well, this is worth standing on and fighting for, but can I just tell you, you can fight your fight, but in hundred years from now, that fight's over. That fight's not going to be here. So I'm talking about what will make this church stand is the Word of God. And I think this scripture really bears it out that the church won't fall if we do, if we learn what God says and do what God says, this church won't fall. If we do anything else or if we disobey the Word of God, this church will fall. You guys with me? So, I would like to propose to you tonight that we have been on a journey, okay? I would like to propose to you that if you were a part of the Sandhill Hill Church and this congregation, that over the last, I'm just going to say the last three years, God has transformed this church. Can I get an Amen. He has transformed the church. About three years ago, with, the, with all the virus, we we set out to intentionally, every time we come here, it's going to be about the Word of God. It's going to be anything else It's going to be about the Word of God. And we maybe haven't done it flawlessly, maybe we haven't done it perfect. but we have tried very hard to, everything we do here, and every way to promote the Word of God. And can I just tell you guys, this is what we got to stand on. Nothing else, the Word of God. And we have promoted that all the things we have learned in Sunday school we, we make fun of Josh because he's been uh, three years teaching the same lesson but uh, nonetheless we make fun of him but, but you know what it sometimes takes about that long for it to sink in. but we have learned a lot. We have learned we have learned so much that, that we are nothing and that Jesus is everything. We have learned a lot in the explicit gospel we studied that through. And we learned a lot of things about the gospel is not what we always thought it was. It's actually meant to change our life. Right? And, and, and the messages that have been coming on Sunday morning and and, and all of the, the, the preaching that we've heard and all the things that have done, I want to, I want to argue that God has brought us to this place that we are, I believe, teaching us a lesson as we go. So, just real quick, this is a just as a short little uh, comment. I'm, I'm not saying this to shame anyone. I, I'm 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 trying real hard to get past that. I'm not here to shame anyone. I'm not here to beat anyone up. But just saying this real, just so we all understand. If you've been here Sunday school Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday night for the last three years, you understand everything I'm saying. If you haven't been here Sunday school Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night, you don't have a clue what I'm saying. It just, you say, it's, I don't, it doesn't make sense. You can't piece pieces of the puzzle together when you're only getting every third piece. Are you guys following? So if you, some of you are going to say, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Let me say, I'm not quite following what he's saying. Yeah, well, that's really hard to do when you miss half of it. If you go to college and you only go two days a week, you're going to say when the test comes around, I didn't get all this. Yeah, you, you weren't there when it was given, right? So uh, I don't say that to beat you. I'm just saying that, 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 that that's how you make sense of all this is if you were here. I was really transparent Wednesday night, those of you that were here, and I just plainly said, I'm struggling, struggling with where we're at, where we're going, what God wants. I am struggling with standing before God and having to give an account of what we do in this church. And I was told after church, I was told after church, Pastor, we trust you. If God shows you what to do, we will follow I appreciate that. Makes me scared, but I appreciate that. Okay, we learned in experiencing God, and and I'll be honest with you. Josh has been trying to kind of push this for some time, and and I have. I've really learned some lessons uh, through this whole struggle that I've been through cuz I've been trying to supposed horses do but through this struggle and through the discussions we've had in church and everything I've had a lot of input from you guys some on the connect card some just um, a word of mouth speaking to me some in private in meetings I've had a lot of input from the congregation but here's what I'm learning the spirit leads through the body the Spirit leads through the body. In other words, we're trying to figure out what what God's doing, and I am praying, and I am and I am asking God for a for a vision and whatever. And sometimes He said, "Just look around." I'm talking to everybody, and you start listening to what God is saying to everybody. You're going to get your answer. So I've had a lot of input from you guys, and, and so this is this is what I believe. Now, uh, before when we when we go through this outline, you you need to be able to allow the Spirit to speak to you. Some of this might be just a little bit rough. But I believe this is what God would have us to do at the Sand Hill Church. And I believe that if we will understand this and adopt this, I believe our church can be strong 100 years from now. Let me just, let me just stop right there, just because some of you are sitting there thinking, Pastor, you know the Lord's coming back. The church won't be here 100 years from now. Well, let me just say this. If the Lord comes back a year from now, how many of you think the storm's gonna get real ugly between now and then? So you can say, Well, I know the church won't be here 100 years from now because the Lord's coming back. That may or may not be true, but can I just tell you, if we are that close to the end, the storm's coming. I want this church to be here when Jesus comes, whether that's today or 100 years from now or 500 years from now. I want this church to be here, and I want it to be standing strong on the Word of God, and we're going to have to do what the Bible says if we do that, and that is going to require understanding the Word of God and going by the Word of God. So, Christians defined. I said last week, do we know what it takes to get to heaven? I'm going to ask this morning, do we know what it is to be a Christian? Because I'm just going to tell you, as I read the Word of God more and more and more, I think we don't know what it is to be a Christian. Okay? Now, if you were to, if you were to, uh, Josh has been, he's been preaching for a few years now, but he's been teaching since, you know, probably got 15 years now back that he's been teaching. But if he was to kind of boil all of Josh's Sunday school lessons down and everything that he's, everything that kind of just boil, if you had to say one word that kind of describes Josh's entire ministry, you know what that one word would be? Surrender. Surrender. That, that's what Josh is all about, is just surrender. Get rid of what you want, do what God wants. But I'm going to take issue with that this morning. I'm going to take issue with what Josh has been doing Anybody pay any attention? <laughs> Anybody listening? Now, I've had this talk with Josh in private, so, so we're, we're on the same page here. But in all seriousness, I think we've been doing this wrong. I want everybody to listen to me. I want everybody to pay attention to me. Listen, This is really, really important. Do you convince Christians to become surrendered? Do you know Christians are surrendered? That's that's that's. In other words, we've been trying to. Oh, I beg you, just give your whole life to Jesus. Oh, I beg you, put Him first in your life. Oh, I beg you, you need to come to. Oh, I beg you, you need to live right, and quit sinning, don't look at pornography. All these are. And here what here's what the Bible says. If you're a Christian, that's what you do. If you're not a Christian, you're not going to do that. And we're trying to beg a whole bunch of people to do what God says. Does anybody see where that doesn't line up with the Bible? <laughs> Listen, if we have to beg you to become surrendered, there is something wrong. And it could be you're not saved. Are you guys getting this? So I propose that if you are a Christian, you are surrendered. You know what surrender means? I no longer get my way, I no longer do what I want to do, I die and Christ lives in me. Whatever he says, whatever he does, sell everything you have and move to Africa, I'm doing it right now. He he told Abraham, he said, just like this, take thy only son to the mountain and sacrifice him. You know what the Bible says? Early the next morning, he got up, got his knife, got his wood, and his boy, and headed to the top of the mountain. You know why? Surrendered. Now, I, I don't want to I, I want to make this fast and clear, and I don't want to get off track here, but do you know how far away that is from everything you hear in church? What we hear in church all the time is, is oh you Christians, please be good. Oh you Christians, please stop sinning. <laughs> Jesus would say, What are you talking about? Those aren't Christians. Those are people who say they're saved and are on their way to hell. Are you guys with me? Now, if that offends you, we probably should have a talk. And and can I just say this real bluntly? I'm not really too worried about you getting mad at me. But can I just tell you this? If you're mad at me, you're mad at the wrong guy. You ought to be mad at him. See, you're really not mad at me. You don't like what he has to say. Now, if God hurts your feelings, what are you going to do? You can pout and stub up, and, every, and you're a stupid people. Well, if that's how God is, I won't serve him. Well, you're just stupid, okay? You're just stupid. Right. You listen. In the end, he gets the final say. You you can burn in hell and be stubborn, or you can give him his way and go to heaven. But you know, it does no good to be mad at God, right? So so let's understand what the Bible says. So I was reading in my study. Turn with me to the book of. Uh, I know it'll be on the screen, but I would love for some of you to look at this in the Bible because I'm going to look at it in my Bible. And in this I read this uh, Friday morning in my my regular personal devotion, and and it just jumped out on me. And I know this is a familiar text, but uh, John chapter 6, verse 60, Jesus has got this huge, huge multitude following him. He's been teaching them, and he gets down to the end, and in verse 60, uh, chapter 6 of uh, John, he says this, Many therefore of his disciples... Now, what did we learn disciples were? Learners. So they've been following Jesus around, calling him teacher and learning from him. When they had heard this, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Drop down to verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Isn't that good? Now here's what the Lord, I was sitting at home reading this, and and this is what the Lord spoke to me so clearly. I want you to get this. I want everybody here to get this. Who said this is a hard saying? This is so important, guys. Are you guys with me? Who said this is a hard saying? The people who said they were disciples but really weren't. Are you guys getting this? They were people who said, I'm a Christian, but I'm not doing that. We've, I've heard all of my life, and I used to do this at Sand Hill. Well, this isn't a thing so much here at Sand Hill anymore, but used to do this all the time. But people would come to church, and they would say, I am a Christian. But if you preached the Bible, man, they was mad as fire at you. they take you back, chew you out, scream and yell, mad and everything else. Those aren't Christians. Those are people who say they're Christians who need to get saved because the Bible said that's hard. But here's what Jesus said. He went to the real Christians, and he said, Are you also going to leave me? And they said, where would we go? Where where would we go? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It it says this, we are sure that you are the Christ. Where are we going to go? Now, guys, you can like it or lump it on this, but when you get mad at the preached word of God, you're just showing that you're not a Christian. And we're trying to coddle people who profess instead of letting them see you're on your way to hell. See, the the real Christians didn't get offended. They didn't say, this is hard. They said, no, you're the Christ. There's no place else to go. The real Christians come to church and hear the word of God and they say, oh, that hurt a little bit. I better move up. The other ones say, I'm mad. I'm going to let him know how mad I am. You're just showing you're not a Christian. Are you guys with me? So Christians they, 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 they like the Word of God, they are surrendered, they are living the Word of God and, and, and that, is a, that is a huge thing. So now let's look at First Peter, oh I think First Peter 1:10. Uh, let's, let's look at that. and th- this is a powerful scripture. First Peter chapter 1. Oh, 2 Peter. I am sorry. You are correct, my love. 2 Peter. I had these uh, verses uh, on my notes, and somehow they are not there. 2 Peter 2.10. 1.10. All right, we'll get there. All right. I am sorry. Wherefore the rather... Do we believe the Bible? Wherefore the rather, brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Does that sound anything like a house that's built on a rock? You shall never fall. What do we do with, I got saved, went back out in the world, lived for the devil while, well, come back, got saved again, went back out in the world, lived for a while, and come back in, got saved, done well, that 17 times. How about if you just get saved, and stay saved? <laughs> listen it says you'll never fall. It, there, there's no question marks or understand there question and, and I, I love this uh, verse first uh, uh, John 219 <clears throat> and I know I use this verse a lot, but I think it is so very clear when we understand what it says. First um, <clears throat> John 2:19, they went out from us. who's the they? the people inside the church who said they were Christians they, went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Guys, that's plain. There are people in the church who say they're Christians who are not Christians, and often they will leave and we'll try to beg them to come back because we hurt their feelings or offended them. And you know what the truth is? They need to get saved. They, they don't need someone to pamper them. They need to get saved, okay? <clears throat> so we need to stop begging people to come to church. I'm just going to say this real, real plain. If you've been around church very long at all, we're, we're talking about our membership here and how, how to do this here, but here's how it used to be years gone by. It, it, pretty much every church, any Baptist church in the country, this is how it used to be. Well, some of them just let you be a member and didn't, ha- didn't care what you did, but those who really cared about their membership, this is what they do. We're going to let you be a member, and we're going to require that you come to church so much. We're going to require that of you. And when you don't come for a month or two, we're going to get on the phone and say, Sister Bessie, we mentioned you. You haven't been here in a couple months, so, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor, I'll be back. And then she comes back for a couple Sundays, and then we don't see her again for two months. Now, Sister Bessie, if you don't start coming, I'm going to have to take your name off the book. Oh, I'll be back, Pastor. I'll be back. And then she comes for a couple weeks, and then she doesn't come back. And we're begging, begging, begging. And, oh, I'm glad you're here. Please come back. I can't you That's nonsense. If you're a Christian, you want to go to church. If you don't want to be here, you're just saying, I'm not a Christian. Is that easy enough to understand? Listen, if I got to beg you to come here, you don't want to be here. And if you don't want to be here, that just tells me you are not a Christian. So why don't we just say this? Christians go to church. (laughs) It's not that hard, guys. Instead of trying to tiptoe around and figure out every way to make everybody come, why don't we just say Christians go to church? It's how we define it. We don't shame you into obeying the Bible. I'm really trying to change this. This is just an old school thing that used to be in churches. I have no desire to shame you guys anymore. Listen, if you're looking at pornography, if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not given to the Lord... If you're not involved in the church, I, I I don't want to get up here and shame you and make you look bad. I want to tell you, this is what the Bible says. If you're a Christian, this is what you will do. You will do what the Bible says. If you don't want to do what the Bible says, I'm not here to shame you. You need to get saved. See how that just clears everything up? That, that just makes everything simple. So I want to say this. You, you can write this down. I don't think it's in your notes. You can write this down. If you are disobeying the Bible... You may be ignorant. That's one option. I will give you that. You may be ignorant. And if you have been saved for two months, that is perfectly fine. If you've been saved two months and you're ignorant, we would expect that. So we're not, there's no harm there because you're supposed to be ignorant. When, when Jamie and, and Jacob's baby gets here, we're not going to say, you guys, you guys explain to, to the baby. We're not going to say, well, explain to us the, the, uh, the principles of justification and sanctification. Right? We're not going to, we understand he's not supposed to know. But after he goes to this church for 20 years, he better know. Do you see the difference? So, if you're ignorant, and you've been saved for a while, you better straighten up. Is that clear? So you could be ignorant if you are sinning. You could be backslidden. And that just means that you are a Christian, but you are no longer right with God. And can I tell you, that's a very serious place to be. But more probable than the first two you may not be a christian cuz the more i read my bible the more i see plainly the bible says if you're a christian this is what you will do and guys if we if we get that down it changes a whole lot of things around here <clears throat> membership for christians I said, I think last week, that if you're going to be a Christian, I think you ought to be a Christian. Or if you're going to be a member, I think you ought to be a Christian. You ought to be born again. Everybody agree with me on that? Say amen. We all agree, if you're going to be a member, you ought to be a Christian. So if you're not acting like a Christian, you don't get to stay a member. See how simple that is? Well, yeah, if they commit adultery or get drunk, we have to dismiss them. No, if you're not listening to the Word of God, if you're not coming here faithfully, hearing the Word of God, and moving up to the Word of God you shouldn't be a member, right? And, and I, I think that just really clears it all up. We said a while back that, that membership, and I really believe this is what the Bible teaches, that mem- membership is the church putting its approval um, on you that you are a Christian. So the church's approval is reserved only for hearers and doers. So if we say you are a member of this church, it's because we believe you are a Christian. And to be a Christian, we believe that you want to hear the word of God and do the word of God. And if you don't hear the word of God and do the word of God, we don't believe you're a Christian. Is this is this is this simple enough to understand? So so that's how you have to what you have to be to be a Christian. <clears throat> and I just realized what the problem is. I I have the same notes you guys have, and I don't have my notes. I'm thinking everything's missing here, so, so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. All right. <clears throat> so that's all right. Josh said, it's going to be shorter now. <laughs> so so let me throw this in for you guys. Let, let me throw this in, and we only got one point to go, and we'll get out of here. We'll go make a bologna sandwich, okay? <clears throat> Has anybody noticed around here the Sandhill Church is different? We talk about that all the time. Sand Hill Church is different. Here's a strange thing about Sand Hill Church. The statistically, nationwide, this is almost every church in the entire country. This is, this is just this is just straight-up statistics. In almost every church, you have 10% of the people doing 100% of the work, and the 90% aren't doing anything. In almost every church, you have your faithful core that's at, that's at 10% of the church. They're always there, and the rest of them, they just come and go as they want to. That's almost every church in the country. Now, Sand Hill was that way for a long, long time. But now, strangest thing has happened. Almost everybody who comes here is faithful. Almost everyone who comes here is involved in everything we're doing. Almost everyone here is hearing the Word of God and moving up. To the word of God can I tell you that's unheard of that doesn't happen in any church and so we're now like 95% of the people are doing 100% of the work <laughs> and we got those 5% that are lazy we, we know that okay we know who you are but <laughs> but the rest of us we're all in right now here's the thing guys that does not fit the mold for a church anywhere that I know of in the country Of all the churches we're associated with, all the friends I have all over this country, all the different churches, I don't know that anywhere. Listen, this is really important, guys. Please listen to me. Could it be that's because our people are Christians? You ever thought about that? In other words, if we want a congregation of 500 people, but we've got 45 that are going to heaven and the rest of them are going to hell, we could have that. And 45 of us can do the work, and the rest of them cannot do the work. And 45 of us can be dedicated, and the others can do what they want. But we have a church that's almost all in surrendered to Jesus. Could it be possible that most of you who come here are going to heaven? Could that be possible? I've thought this so many times, you know, some of you are new to the church. Kevin, Kevin started coming. Actually, today's Fall Fest a year ago, right? He's got his anniversary, right? Give him a hand. It's his anniversary, right? But here's here's what thought. I thought. I, I embarrass you because he embarrasses it so easy. He's just he's so shy and backwards. But anyways, here's the thing. When new people started coming into the church, I used to think, now what are we going to do? We're, we, it's like seven days a week around here, and it's like everything, it's it like takes over our life, and it's like everything we do, and then we want you to come here four times a week, and then we have extra stuff, and, and we just, it's like when we come in, how is someone going to fit in who doesn't really want to go to church? And it's almost like you really can't be a part of Sand Hill when you're just kind of, Half in, half out. You just don't fit. And so I'm thinking, how are all these new people going to incorporate? So, you know what Kevin started doing? Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Every time we're out back, everything is going on. Guys, could it be? It's because he really got saved. <laughs> Do you guys? Is anybody following me? So someone gets saved and they're only here half a time and don't want to be involved in anything. It's not. They need encouraging, They need to get saved. Is this too straightforward? Because Christians have quit living for themselves and are living for Jesus Christ. And when we understand that, I think it takes a lot of the mud out of the water. The Bible is our plumb line. Everybody know what a plumb line is? Every good hillbilly knows what a plumb line is, right? You take a piece of string, tie something heavy to it, and it has, both Steve, it cannot hang any way but straight. Is that right? It hangs, it will not hang on an angle. It will hang perfectly straight. And if you want to build a building, you just hold that plumb line. And if it's straight with that plumb line, it is straight. Can I tell you, the Bible is our word, is the, is our standard. It is our plumb line. It is what we judge everything by. So here's what I promote at Sand Hill Church: we study and obey the precepts and principles of the Word of God. Now, I'm not going to go into that. We've, we've been in that many times. But I'm just saying when we preach, we need to be preaching what thus saith the Word of God and, and, and the principles that it says in there, and we need to be living by them. Listen, guys, get this straight. Never fight over preferences. If you like bluegrass music and someone else likes uh, contemporary music, you can say, I don't like your music, but don't fall out with them. Don't stop being friends with them. Don't stop coming to church. If you want if, if you want pews and somebody else wants seats, don't say, well, I ain't coming back. I'm mad about that. If they want technology in the church, what I'm saying is all of these things we get so mad about. Guys, don't do that. It is the word of God. If someone says it's okay if you want to live with your girlfriend, get mad. Right? If someone says it's okay for you to go live in sin and be a Christian, get mad. Pull the pastor aside, chew him out, let rip his head off. But if it's about preferences, guys, don't fight. And here's what I want you guys to understand. We talked about the storm. So whether so this is a no-brainer. The world could come to an end next week. world coming to an end today. The, the, the Lord could come back and this thing could all be over, right? And in a year from now there may not be any, we might all be gone. We all might be in heaven, right? If the world is that close then, it's going to get ugly, We're going into a storm. But is there anyone here that can conceive in their wildest dreams? I hate to say these words, God help me, I hate to say these words. But if this world does continue for hundred years, can you imagine the mess we're going to be in? I think everybody knows this. I don't think this is real secret, but can I just say this? My grandkids, I, I don't see any way around this. My grandkids are not going to be living in a free country. It won't be free anymore. They'll no longer be liberty, they'll never longer be freedom. You say it's the United States of America. It won't be for long. And in 100 years from now, there's no conceivable way I can think where the world's going to be great and where Jesus is going to be all that matters. Listen, the storm's coming. So how do we prepare for that? Guys, Listen, so, so important. I will let you go, but please pay attention to me. This is how we do it. We stand on the precepts and principles of the Word of God, and we quit fighting about preferences. And I just want you guys to think about this. I really want to drive this home. Every time you fight and get mad about a, priest, uh, about a preference, you're opening the door for us building on the sand and this church falling. Because I tell you, this church will not stand. When they lock us up for worshiping Jesus and, and take away our homes and, and, and persecute us, how long your skirt is isn't going to matter. Amen? All the things we like to fight about aren't going to be. You know what's going to matter? The gospel, the truth of the word of God. And guys, we got to stand on that. We got to stop letting all these other things divide us. And and I say and I don't say that at this church. I I I want I'll just stop here. I'm done. Okay, let me just let me just worship a little bit and then I'm done. Can we just praise God? It's not that way in here anymore. We don't fight over stupid stuff. We don't get mad over stupid stuff. That, that's not going, we don't have half of them. Against. No, listen, we come here because of Jesus and this church is about. it. And I believe we will be healthy and strong until Jesus comes. If whenever I die, you guys hold on to Jesus. The devil cannot, Josh going the devil cannot destroy this church if we hold on to Jesus.
0: We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth. Provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.